What's going on, guys? Welcome back. Clocks on the stove. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 118. We got a special guest today. We haven't had a guest pod, actually, Zach, in a, in a fat minute now that I'm thinking about it. Um, episode 118, and one of my teammates, Stephen Kirinongo, I hope I said that right, he's fighting this Saturday in Fort Wayne, Indiana, I believe, for an IKF. IKF, is that what it is? IKA? IKF. 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 Fighting for IKF. Uh, Stevie, thanks for joining us, brother. What's up? What's up? I'm glad to be here. Honored yeah. to be here on episode 118. Yeah, it's a privilege. Um, privilege. To call it. Yeah, so can you explain to me what this IKF thing is? Because I was talking to Mo about it a little bit, and he was telling me it's like, I, I can't remember. He was like more excited about this than he was fighting on other cards because it's like an actual state championship or something. Yeah, it's like a... Uh a well-known sanctioning body for kickboxing and Muay Thai, like, nationwide. So, it's a... Uh, I would say it's, like, just very well-known, and I believe that's why Mo is so excited about it, because, you know, it's, like, an official sanctioning body of kickboxing. Mm-hmm. Kind of what... It's kind of wanted to be... Uh, the, I want to say one of the beginners of kickboxing, because I don't really understand what IKF truly, like, how it started... I, I would talk to Mo about that. Just he to, probably has done so much homework on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, apparently it's a, a good sanctioning body for kickboxing and Muay Thai. Now, when you like got the opportunity to go to Indiana, were you kind of just like, I've never been to Indiana, nor did I think I'd go there? And number two, you are aware that you are going to be in one of the coldest states during the coldest time of the year. You, I hope you have clothing that will prepare you for this. When I first heard of it, I was like, damn, Indiana is crazy. But as it got closer, like as more time passed, I was like, damn, like Indiana. Like I didn't I never even thought I would be fighting in Indiana like this early, like in my amateur career. I don't know. I just but now as more time passes, I'm starting to see that it's gonna be really, really cold over there. And I don't think <laughs> I don't think I'm ready for that. That's <laughs> Yo, can we look that, Zach, can you look it up real quick and see what the temperature is going to be on Saturday in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana? Temperature in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Let's just look at what it is right now. Yeah. Ah, nice. Nice cool uh, zero degrees <laughs> right now. Uh, Saturday, it's a high of 12 with a low of 5. Let's go. Uh, Damn. Let's look at wind chill factor. Well, that's, yeah. how, that's how he's snowing. He's going to be inside. Yeah, uh, but when he walk when he's walking to the building, uh, he could yeah. freeze to death. Well, dude, honestly, when we fought in that New York card, bro, I felt like I didn't get fully warm. It was a little chilly there. Yeah, I yeah, felt- and I went to New York again in December. Honestly, the first day, like the one I went in December, the first day we got there, it was like really, really cold. It was like thirty degrees, but then it was just like uh, it kind of fluctuated at like forty or fifty days after, so it wasn't that bad. But man, Indiana cold is going to be different. Oh yeah, it's going to be really different. And it's going to suck cutting weight there too. Well, the the good thing about that, okay, so my fight is at one thirty two. Oh, time let's around, go! I don't have to cut down so low to one twenty five. Yeah. And right now I'm like walking around at one thirty six. So. Oh, that's bread, bro. Yeah, I'm kind of that's awesome. That's how I felt fighting at one fifty, and Mo's cutting to forty five, and I was like, yeah, bro, I feel way better. Yeah, yeah so, now his fight's at uh 153, so oh, that's good. good he doesn't have to cut much either. Yeah. yeah. 
kind of I'm, cruising. Uh, how did you know what weight you were comfortable fighting at the most? Because, like, obviously for Grayson, he was a wrestler before, so, like, he was used to, like, weight cutting. But, like, what was your, like, was your first ever weight cut when you had bro, your first, like, bro, Stevie, Stevie didn't have a choice, bro. He has to go 25. That boy ain't big enough to go 35. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't any yeah, options for him. <laughs> yeah, uh, my first fight, uh, coach kind of took a look at me. Or, I okay, in my head, when I first started training, I was like, oh, I'm going to be 135 or like, you know, because <laughs> I walk around at 140, like, or like 143-ish. So I'm definitely going to be 135. I'm a small dude. Because I saw on UFC and like all the fights I've seen before that 135ers are pretty small too. I never even thought about 125 because I was like, I'm never going to go down there. And my first fight, uh, coach asked if I wanted to fight and I was like, yeah. He's like, okay, let's uh, let's do 125. And my heart dropped. I was like, bro, what? <laughs> I never, I've never cut down to 125 ever. And um, as I progressed on these weight cuts, honestly, like, I'm starting to see that weight cut is the part of the process of fighting. And um, cutting down to 125, it's it's not as hard as I thought it'd be. It's just a just a process that you know I keep getting better at. So also, you get whether into- it's 125 or. You get into a rhythm with it. And the one thing that's really good about you is you, you fight a lot, like you're very active and, you know, we always talk about it, like in wrestling terms, they always say your first weigh in is your hardest weigh in. Cause when you don't weigh in for four months, your first ones are hardest cause your body's trying to hold on to everything. But then once you do it every single weekend, your body gets used to going up and then letting go, going up to letting go. And the good yeah. thing about you fighting all the time is your body's constantly used to the letting go part. So it's not fighting you as much. Yeah. Versus I remember I went three years without cutting weight because I didn't fight. And then I came back to fighting and my first weight cut was miserable because it my body wouldn't let go of the last five pounds because it went into like survival mode. That's mm. why, you know, you're fighting so actively so often your body's used to it. So it doesn't hold on as much, which is, which yeah. is. Yeah. Steve, did you, so we had one person on this pod, I'm not going to name them by name because I don't think they told this story on here, but they made the mistake of while they were weight cutting the day of their weigh-ins, they were chugging water or was it eating, they're eating food or chugging water. No, the they, slid, they got to, no, Vince told us this story at weigh-ins. <laughs> they got to the weigh-in and then thought like, oh, I'm here. And then just started slamming water. Didn't even I touch think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, you That's know exactly crazy. what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah no that's a yeah i think the weight cut would have gone to his head because like i don't know how you could you could think think that like as soon as you get like you yeah, oh i arrived i'm good you even hit this scale yet and you're like oh i can drink water <laughs> yeah the weight cut must have been uh pretty hard on his uh on his mind that day i just wasn't thinking straight but yeah. um well that's yeah i don't think i'd ever do that that said person doesn't usually think straight at, as it is <laughs> but we still love them <laughs> yeah we love them but stevie so for the people that you know don't know who you are you started off your career as an mma fighter um some situations that we don't have to get into happened that you had to transition into kickboxing for a little bit um mm. i bully you about this probably every single day but when when do we think we're going to see the small gloves back on you probably after this one most yeah. likely after this one my you know coach wants me to go back to mma um i think with this um, detour, as I like to call it, um, of me getting into kickboxing, I feel like it's putting my game together very well from striking. And then when I get back into grappling, I feel like I feel like 
what kickboxing has done for me was um really teach me how to fight like how to actually fight in these 50 50, 50 exchanges and um just getting into that mindset of fighting because before the kickboxing i mean i mean i knew how to fight like i knew how to throw punches and all that stuff but like just it's just a different mindset and i feel like kickboxing has really really um catered to that and really pushed me further in that mindset now do you miss mma too though or like you're just like going there because vince wants you to get there no i miss mma i started with mma and i feel like mma is my first love like bro i love grappling i love i just love mixing everything together it's it's amazing to put together it feels it's it's so fun putting it together and yeah yeah that's definitely the end goal is mma it was the like, first goal and it is the end goal i feel like i have to address this one thing because i saw uh kaizen posted a video about it and it was about you like training like the young <laughs> the like early intro like people and it was like you mm -hmm. or what's the yeah. what's the around that you you trying to pick up girls when they walk through the door or something <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean not necessarily i mean it was for a video <laughs> i'm not saying no but i'm not saying yes <laughs> exactly exactly it was a funny video though funny video that's awesome dude um you know I, it, I was so excited i ran past the door in that video. <laughs> uh, let's let's step back a little how how did your journey into martial arts and fighting all together begin um well uh well um when i was like 11 or 12 years old um i kind of just was like surfing through like what I can like and what I what I don't like in sports and um I never really gravitated toward any other sport rather than like combat sports. Like I played soccer when I was a kid and that was cool. I mean that was fun, but I never gravitated toward a sport like fighting. Like when I saw UFC playing on FX for the first time ever when I was like eleven or twelve years old, I was like, damn, this is crazy. Like, this is what, like, this, like, there's nothing, there's nothing close to it. Like, I want to, I want to try it. Like, I always, it was always in the back of my head. I was like, I want to try it. I want to try doing it. I, wanna, I just want to see how it is. Um, I wrestled for a little bit in high school. And when I would wrestle, I'd always think, like, man, I want to punch these guys in the face. Like, you know, <laughs> like, it was always, it was always I wanted something more out of it. And, um after high school, I just started training. Um, I didn't start training directly after high school. I mean, it was a little bit after that, but it was always in the back of my head. It was always like nagging at me, like, damn, I want to try this. I want to try MMA. I want to try this. I want like, it was always in the back of my head that I always wanted to try it. And um, I think in like, when I was 20 or 21, I finally made that, made that uh, decision. I was like, man, I got to find a gym. I got to find a gym near me. I got to, you know, take action and actually go after what I want to try to do. And I remember Mikey Conlon. I don't know if you know who that is. I remember he had like a streaming. He was streaming on Twitch. And I, I, I forgot how I found him. I think I found him through Instagram. But I uh, tuned in one of his streams and uh, he was doing like a, a Q&A. And I asked him like, what's a good gym? 
like he started out or what's a good gym to start at in the Tampa area. And he recommended Kaizen and I looked him up. I texted or I DM the, uh, the Instagram account and asked about classes and just ended up started going. And the rest was history. Yeah. How long was it from you starting to train to, you know, either you approaching Vince or Vince approaching you about actually competing? Uh, so I started January of 2021. It wasn't until like, I think it was until like April or late May where I was like, because I heard something about the fight team from Brandon Waters. Like he said, he had mentioned something about Kaizen fight team. And I, I, uh, I asked Brandon Waters about it and he was like, he was like, yeah, just talk to Vince. I feel like you, you would fit in. You, you know, you're consistent. You, you, you're a hard worker. And I was like, all right. So one of the grappling classes, I remember after I, I asked him about it and he said, he said, oh yeah, maybe you can uh, get a fight in October. And I was like, all right. And that was, that was it. The rest is history. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> when My you first fight was in October. When you brought it up to him, did he like tell you like, all right, like there's got to be a shift in the way you practice or there's got to be a shift in like mental mindset if you actually want to be a fighter or was he just kind of like, all right, you're going to do the same thing you've always done. It's just now you're going to be working towards a fight. Like, was there any kind of talk or sit down that you had with Vince when the idea was brought up or was it very much like laxed? Uh, yeah, it was very, it was, it was kind of lax because he was just saying like, you know, just keep doing what you're doing, and I think you'll be ready by October. And that's 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 what you told me. I think and I just kept doing. Vince kind of likes that shit, though. He kind of likes when you're like low key, you don't say anything, and grind, and then you come up to him. Like he likes. I mean, Vince says it all the time, and I, you know, as I'm a coach as well, not to the same caliber, but I'm still a coach, and I understand. Like Vince does this shit because he loves it. He doesn't do this for money. He doesn't do it. He says it all the time. He does it to make world champions. So, like, when you get an opportunity with, like, a Stevie or, like, when we talk to Julian and Ryan, like, Vince loves seeing the potential and being, like, I can create that. And I think he's a big, big fan of that. And I, I can piggyback off that, too. You know, he helped me tremendously. He's helped me more than any MMA coach I probably ever had in my life, you know. Um, so, I think when you came up to him, he probably was, like, it probably fed his hunger. You know, because Ryan was talking when we had Ryan on. He was, like, Vince came to Ryan and was, like, yo, you've been super consistent. Have you ever thought about competing? You know, so I feel like that's something that uh, they probably, you know, made Vince super happy that you did that. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, the one thing I love about Vince, too, and I think I've talked about this on the pod as well, is Vince does not try to change what makes you good. And I've been at other gyms. Um, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, so I'm not going to say any names. But I've been at other gyms where they didn't have good wrestling or wrestling coaches, so they would try to bash me for wrestling. And they would try to change my style or they would like try to be like, oh, you do this. We, we do this here. And when I came to Kaizen, I was a little hesitant at first. Um, you know, the reason I came to Kaizen was because of Shane. Um, he's the one that that really got me to go into Kaizen. And Dan Martinez as well. Um, I think I was there one of your first days. Yeah, because uh, uh, Vince or Dan spoke very uh, highly on Vince. And so did Shane. Um, rest in peace to a fucking legend. Um and I was super scared because I knew the Muay Thai caliber was super high. And I was like, 
shit, dude, like, I don't want to get back in the same headache I was just in my at another gym where they're just, they hate my wrestling. And it was the exact opposite. It was like, we need to make your striking to open up your wrestling. And that's one thing I love about Vince, too, is he's a student of the game. And there's a lot of things where I first got there, Vince didn't really understand or know about, you know, certain wrestling things and certain grappling. And now it's like his knowledge and just the year and a half I've been there is just skyrocketed because he's always studying and he's always learning and he's breaking down our film. He's breaking down, you know, I remember the, the first time I can recall being like, this is a great head coach was my first time ever sparring there. No, that was my first time. It was my first time being my, it was my first time sparring there in a fight camp. So I've been there for maybe a month or two, like not even. And I remember we were having a, um, a team meeting after like we usually do. And I remember he said what he wanted to see more from us. And then he asked us what we wanted to see more from him and what we thought he was doing well, what he thought he was doing bad. And I was like, that's a fucking great coach. Cause there's a lot of coaches out there that have really big egos and it's their way or the highway. But Vince is mm-hmm. very opening, open to criticism. He wants us to tell him like, I don't think we work on enough on this or like this, or like, I don't like how we do this, but I like how we do this. And I remember we had those conversations and he was like, he took the notes and he changed it, you know? And when you have, yeah, he's, that, open, he's open to be flexible. Exactly. When you have that communication and trust between two, between a team and a coach, dude, that's, you know, that it's hard. It's hard to find something like that, especially at like bigger gyms. It's really hard to find a connection like that. Yeah. Yeah. I can't really say otherwise because I, I mean, that's the first gym I've ever, I've ever been to. I've ever trained up, and I'm grateful every day to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Stevie, you've been at Kaizen since kind of its, like, growth over the years. I mean, from changing locations to adding on a bunch of different classes to the community now opening up to, I think, well over, like, 100 members easily. Easy. What has it kind of been – what are you saying, Grayson? Easily over 100. Oh, yeah. But um, since you've joined Kaizen, what's it kind of been like being in an environment where like you're not only experiencing the growth for yourself, but you can see as like your team's growing and everyone around you is like consistently getting better. Like, what is that like as a fighter? Like, does that inspire you? Or do you feel like you, there may be sometimes like Grayson said, where you need to get in touch with Vince a little more because you're like, Hey, maybe we're losing ground here because we're not as like personal as we once were. Like, do you, what do you, where do you feel with that whole situation? I think it's very inspired. The growth of Kaizen is very, very inspiring, I believe. I mean, over the years of where we started, because I, I remember starting where, like, there was, there wasn't really much classes to, to extend further. Like, I was, I remember I was, there was at times where I was, like, the only fighter showing up to Alon's classes. It was just me and Alon. And he was just like, he would, there would be times where he was like, all right, we're going to spar today. Or like, all right, we're going to get, you know, just get rounds in. Like he wasn't, it was, it was one of those. And um, yeah, over the years, I've seen it grow and more people come in, more fighters. And uh, it's very inspiring. And um, it's also, it really goes to show like where Vince's head at, head's at, because over the years, even though so many fires come and go, he's still grounded and still has one mission, one goal in mind, and is to make world champions and to just make you better. And overall, he makes every individual he's in touch with better. And that just that just uh, motivates everybody else around you, motivates the fighters around you. Like, 
I think the most inspiring was um, him and Steph, like where Steph started to where she is now. I think that that's very inspiring because it's just progress. And with Coach Coach Vince instilling so many things in, in, in us as fighters, as we progress, it's just progressing everybody around us because we're leading by example. And by leading by example, we're uh, not only bettering ourselves, but we're bettering the people around us. And I think Kaizen's just on this uphill battle and we're going, or on this uphill exponential growth that we're just going to keep going. And it's, it's just very inspiring. Yeah, and the yeah. thing I love about Kai, sorry, Zach, the thing I love about Kaizen too is it doesn't matter if you're, you know, you're a first day person there, you're one of our pro fighters, you're one of the women there. Everybody loves everybody. You know, there's people there that I don't even really, I don't even know their names. And I'm like, yo, what's up? And I see them at practice because just that you're part of Kaizen, I'm a part of Kaizen, we're family. You know, and that's one thing I love about it so much because I've been at gyms where it's like, I'd have anxiety going there because I I didn't enjoy being there and I didn't enjoy seeing the coaches and I didn't enjoy being around the people I was around versus when I'm at Kaizen, dude, I'm me. Like, I don't have to act like anybody else. I don't have to like put on a, a persona. Like that's the one thing I love it there. It's so family, bro. And I know everybody preaches that. I know everybody says that about their gym, but like I've trained a, a good amount of gyms and the family vibe and feel at Kaizen is just, I think that's another reason why we see the success and the growth that we've had so rapidly. Yeah. Stevie, you know, since you've been one of the earlier guys there, do you feel you hold like some form of responsibility for being like, I guess kind of a leader or like one of the like pillars in the building where like people got to turn to you because you've been there the longest, you know, how things should be done. Like, do you feel like that's kind of changed at all? Or do you feel like it's been the same since you've gotten there? I haven't always seen it in that, in that light but recently um i'm starting to see that it's very important to to be one of the role models and to lead by example like i say um because just leading by example you're holding you're kind of holding kaizen to a to a certain um like standard a certain standard yeah and I think that's very important. So I just try to lead. I just try to be the role model that inspires myself and that can inspire others as much as possible. When you were coming up, because you were talking about uh, just, you know, scrolling through the channels and seeing UFC, was there a particular fighter that grabbed your attention that you're like, I, I want to fight because of him or I want to fight like him or anything like that? Probably Brandon. I can tell you right now, you can see right here, mine was George St. Pierre. For, from Kaizen, probably Brandon, but if we're talking about, yeah, from the beginning. Uh, from the beginning, I want to say, I wouldn't say I gravitated towards any certain fighter because I was, I was always like, I don't know, I didn't have a, a favorite fighter because so many fighters were just so amazing to watch. But, um, a fighter that was very well known, yeah, I would say George St. Pierre. I mean, that's a guy that I looked at just because he was so big in that time. Um, Anderson Silva. Um, yeah, I think I think that's about it. I mean, I, I watched 
all the fighters. Like, I, I can't really pick a favorite or anyone I really gravitated towards. I hate that now when people are like, who's your favorite fighter? I'm like, bro, like, I have a love relationship with so many guys. It's because of so many, like, little things. I'll be like, I love this guy because I love his striking. I love this guy because of his personality. It's like, it, it, once you start to, like, get into the sport, it's not like team sports where, like, that's my team. It's like, I, I like so many people just because of different things. You know, it's it's mm -hmm. so hard. And me and Zach talk about this all the time, but like, I love Sean Strickland, and I used to fucking hate Sean Strickland, dude. I used to think he sucked, but as he's gotten bigger and as you got to start to real to meet him, you realize the man he is isn't. I mean, you and I talked about this the other day. I think Stevie, he's he doesn't put on a persona. He is as real as it gets. Yeah, that's why I love him. You know, he's yeah. what I saw a tweet. I think Zach sent me a tweet the other day that was like. Uh, uh, Sean Strickland is who Colby Covington wishes he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is real, man. He's very real. Have you heard of the podcast with him and Joe Rogan? No, but I I watched his one with Theo Vaughn because that is real, bro. I mean, I haven't I haven't heard I haven't seen the the Theo Vaughn one yet. Great, but... I'm crying in it. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw I saw the clip. I saw the yeah. clip. That was pretty sad. But Zach, you watched the Joe Rogan one, right? Um. No, I watched the Jared Cannonier one. Actually, the Jared Cannonier one blows my mind because the yeah. fact that you can just be like, "Yeah, I was in the military, didn't know what I wanted to do in my life, and I was just beating the shit out of everyone in the military." And I was like, "Maybe I should just fight people for a living." And then he was like, "Yeah, I started training at 26 years old." But I mean, I feel like MMA is probably the only sport in the world where you can pick up at like 25, 26 years old and even have a chance at a professional career. Like, you're not ever going to see a guy being like. Yeah, this guy was, uh, well, um, other than Kurt Warner, like, hey, this guy was bagging shit in Publix. Uh, now he's leading a team to the Super Bowl. But even then, like, he had some prior experience playing football. Yeah. Like, See, that's the, that's the prime example of what, what we're talking about. Like, you can draw inspiration from literally any fighter. Like, it's it's crazy. The fight, the fight game is crazy. And drawing inspiration from every fighter, I think, is very important. And that's the thing I love about it, too, is, like, let's be honest, like – it's going to be really hard for a girl to go to the NFL. It's going to be really hard for certain, certain people to play certain sports. I can never play basketball. I'm too, sh I'm too short, like situations like that. You know what I'm saying? But with fighting, there's no politics. Like it doesn't matter your body build. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how athletic you are. Like if you work your ass off, you can be great. And that's the, that's why I'm such a big fan of fighting. It's such a big fan of wrestling. It's like you get what you put into it. It's the most, I think out of any sport in the world, it's the most accurate interpretation to life is fighting. And that's why I love it. Cause you can be 28 years old and start fighting and go change your life. You can be fucking Terrence McKinney and die twice from an overdose on drugs and now make your whole life fighting in the UFC. You can't really do that anywhere else. You know, when you see people that are failed athletes or Sean Strickland who had, you know, issues growing up his whole life, they're able to become successful and make a living and, and do great things because you get what you put into fighting. You get what you put into combat sports. And that's why I've always been such a big fan. And I remember legendary uh, wrestling coach at Iowa, uh, the Brands Brothers, Tom Brands, talks about when he um, he was the favorite to make the United States Olympic team one year, and he lost to someone he's beaten his whole life. And he went to his dad, and he's like, I deserve that. And he's like, I, I deserve that. I don't know why I didn't get it. I deserved it. And his dad goes, no, no, no. He goes, you get what you earn. You don't get what you deserve. You get what you earn. And ever since that, I've always thought that way. I've never thought anybody deserves anything. You get what you earn. And that's why I love it, dude. Like, Stevie, you've been fighting for two years, and your jump is insane because you live there every single day. You know, and it's it's 
you get what you earn. You what you put in is what fighting gets out of you, and that's why I love it. There's no, you know, that's why I played football because it was like I didn't pass the eye test. I wasn't black or I wasn't big. Like it wasn't. There's too many politics. There's no politics in fighting and combat sports. You win or you lose. Doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter how popular you are. You win or you lose. You know, and that's why I love it. It's so straightforward. You you can ask yeah. the judges about that. One. <laughs> There's been a lot of fights. <laughs> that's why you fight to the finish, though. Yeah, yeah. Never <laughs> leave it in the hands of the judges. Yeah. Uh, would say but no i agree with that i feel like uh, i forget the video that always comes up on my for you page but it's always talking about how like success like doesn't care like how many times you've like cried to sleep at night doesn't care like how early you got up in the morning or how late you went to bed like success is never like a it's not like it's never a necessity or it's never like a a predetermined guarantee yeah guarantee at any point like success is very like come and go. Like you never get to decide when you're going to get your success. You just have to continuously work towards it. And hopefully like for the very few, you will stumble upon like your definition of success. But I feel like for everyone in the fight game um, or not even the fight game, but anyone that trains in general, like you may not walk into every practice with the mindset of, you know, like I'm going to get a win or like in my head, like I'm going to get a victory walking on today's practice. Like I've seen Grayson plenty of times come up from practice and literally just go straight to his room. And I knew those days I was like, he probably got his ass kicked. And I was like, that's, that's life. Like that's fair. But the same morning, he's going to look back at that and say, me getting my ass kicked is probably deserved from what I put into it the week before. Yeah, That's just life. But like, even the short time I was training at Kaizen, because usually if I'm back for long periods of time, I love stopping in and training for a little, just because like, it's better than just sitting on the couch all day. But I feel like one of the biggest problems uh, I have down here is I look at any gym down in South Florida, $200, $250 just to go to two classes a week. And to me, like, that's not to say that those gyms aren't worth it, but it's not like, how am I supposed to put my trust and put all my money into something that I have no idea what I'm getting into? Like, I feel like that's the biggest unknown for me. At least I know for the people that vouch from it, like you, Grayson, even uh, Ryan Arquette, like they, they can vouch for the gym be like, it's worth every penny. Like you will never regret going to Kaizen. But at the same time, like down here, I'm like, I'd rather not take that risk and just go into a gym that only cares about collecting my money, never working with the fighters, never actually caring about what you as a person want to grow at. They're just kind of like, eh, you pay us. It is what it is. Exactly. Like I, like yeah. I like what you talk about when you said success isn't guaranteed. And um, that's one thing that we, you know, I feel like there's a lot of people that don't even try to become great because they know that just because you put this work in, it doesn't always matter. And, you know, you get a lot of people that are too scared to even try to reach their dreams, regardless of fighting or not just in general. Too many people are, they, they're too scared to start the first step because they know it's not guaranteed to get the result. And you yeah. see that a lot, especially in fighting, you see people, they get their first loss and then we never see them at the gym again. You know, it's like you, you, success isn't guaranteed, but that should be a, a fire under your ass to, to work harder for it. And the other thing is too, it's like, let's say me and Stevie, I mean, we're, we're going to train for as long as we can to try to become world champions. Even if we don't become world champions, we're going to achieve more in life as, as human beings trying to go here. than to never try at all. You know, yeah. let's say we try to go here and we only get to here. Here is better than nothing better than here. You know? So even if we never get it, but we're going to, we're going to get strapped, Stevie, don't worry about it where it's you're gonna learn more and you're gonna you're gonna get better and grow as a human being trying and failing than never trying at all 
you know, and I love yeah. the quote that's like, I'd rather live with failure than live with regret. Yeah, and there's a saying I've been kind of living by, or a Latin saying I've been kind of living by the past couple of weeks. It's uh, called memento mori, yeah. and that's remember death. Remember that you're going to die, essentially. So live your life to the fullest and take every time as if it's going to be your last. And I feel like that's, that embodies what we're doing. Like we're, we're striving for the best because, you know, we're going to die eventually. So might as well do what we can strive to do what we want to get out of this life. And um, yeah, just, just do the best you can to get there. There was a guy I feel like, like you said, in the journey, you're just going to keep getting better and mentally and things in life. And, you know, it's just going to be great for us. There was a guy on Joe Rogan. I can't remember if I look at my, my TikToks if I saved it. Um, he says, everyone lives two lives. You live the life you get when you're born and the life you get when you realize that you only have one life. And I think that shit's awesome. I remember I watched an interview with Elon Musk and they were like, um, if you could get immortality, would you take it? And he said, no. And they're like, why? He goes, because if you can live forever, you get complacent. You don't have, there's no reason to, you have your whole life to achieve whatever the fuck you want to achieve. Versus knowing there's a deadline is what lights a fire under your ass. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, exactly. since we're on the train of inspirational quotes. I'm loving this. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, there was one that I saw where it was like, if you knew you couldn't fail, like how big would you, like how big would you dream? Like how much would you actually be willing to try and achieve if you knew you couldn't fail? But like just the fact that like you wake up and you're like, ah, that's not really worth my time. Like I'm probably not going to get there anyway. Like just that mindset alone is just going to hold you back in life from probably doing anything or anything at all. And then the second one was the first, like it was like the first best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago, but the second best time is now. Like if you want to actually build towards something like the first, yeah, the first step to doing anything is just actually like putting your foot in the door and going out there. And I feel like with you, Stevie, like you literally, all it took for you was to ask a guy on a stream was like, what gym do you recommend? And you're like, all right, like we're going to do it. Like it doesn't really matter. It's crazy to think about that. You just fucking putting a comment in a Twitch stream <laughs> got you to where you are now. Yeah, that's crazy. Mikey Common. Yeah, that is fucking nuts, dude. Uh, damn, I just had a thought and it just slipped my brain. I uh, Another thought though, but I remember, um, Going like what Zach said, if you knew you didn't fail, how how big would you dream? I remember watching an interview with Jack Harlow, and they were like, did you have doubts? He goes, I never had doubts. He goes, there was never a moment in this journey where I was like, we're not going to make it. He goes, we always knew we were going to make it, and then it just happened. You know, and, and the older I get, I used to think it was so cheesy and stupid, but the older I get, like, I believe in manifestation. I believe in, like, if you think you're not going to make it or you think negative thoughts or like even this talked about the other day, like if you live a life of negativity, negative things are going to happen. If you live a life of positivity, you're always going to find positive things, you know? And I remember watching, uh, you know, the big, the, the big realization for me about manifestation, like the first time it really like came to me was when Conor McGregor knocked out Jose Aldo. Cause he, he fucking manifested it, dude. Like, he got interviewed after the land and he said he could feel that Aldo was shaking his right hand and he knew he was going to overextend it. And then he mm-hmm. freaking overextended it and Connor knocked him out. That's crazy. And like the law, the, the law of realization. I remember another thing um, leading into that Connor McGregor, Jose Aldo fight was they were asking him like, you know, have you picked, have you gotten scared of getting knocked out or blah, blah, blah. Cause I've never thought of losing a single position or a single second of the fight. 
He goes, because the second I think of me losing or getting knocked out or anything at all, it gets put into the universe. He goes, if it never happens in here, it's never happened before anywhere. And ever since then, I was like, dude, yeah, because like whenever I have a fight or like even when I was younger and I was wrestling, I would just visualize the fight over and over and over. And I still do that now and just visualize and visualize and visualize so that when it happens, it's like, yeah, obviously I haven't been there yet because it hasn't happened. But in my mind, I've seen me in this position 50 times already, you know, and there's some sort of a comfortability with that, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's crazy. I I experienced something very similar to that in the when I fought in July for combat night. Mm-hmm. The one that was in Tampa. I visualized me like hitting a right hand against this guy to put him up against the cage. Like I visualized that so clearly. And then when it actually happened, I was like, Am I in a dream right now? Because cause it actually happened. I was it was it was a surreal moment, man. Manifestation is real. But not only with manifestation, it's like manifestation is real with the hard work you put behind it, like the constant hard work you put behind that manifestation. And uh, yeah, I think that's a very important, that's a key part. I like that you said that because I have some kids and even growing up, kids I used to compete with too, they would like put in the littlest amount of work possible in practice and then they would lose a match and they would be like, man, but I wanted it so bad. And I was like, no, 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 wanting it right now isn't wanting it. You should have wanted it last week at practice on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Like that's wanting it bad. Just saying, oh, I wanted it and then crying after, but you did no work for it. That's not really wanting it. That's saying, that's like, oh, I want it. If you really want it on Saturday, you're preparing on Monday for Saturday's match. You're not waiting till Saturday. You don't just turn it on. Yeah, some people are better in the lights, but they don't just not practice and then turn on. You know, this goes back to my favorite saying of all time. It's like, yeah, dude, I don't do MMA, but I see fucking red, dude. If I get mad, it's just like, it's my favorite saying in the whole world when people say that to me, bro. Because I'm telling you, I have had so many people say that to me that are like, yeah, dude, I've never fought, but like, you've never seen me bro, mad. Same. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't same, care. Same, bro. I don't care how mad you get, bro. When you're sleeping in a, on, when you're, I'm on your back and you're unconscious, you can be as mad as you fucking want. It's not stopping shit. Bro, I'm different if I get hit, bro. Yeah, I'm literally. Different. literally I've never lost a street fight in my life. Sick, dude. Bro, it's crazy that people actually believe that. It's like there's conviction in their voice. Like, yeah, (laughs) those are people that have actually never gotten their ass beat. You can tell. No, no, no. My my favorite by far is any dude that's like goes to the gym for like any amount of time, and they're just like they just immediately start judging you based off your weight. They're like, like got like forty pounds on that guy. They're like that dude may know how to like separate your head from your body. Like you, you really don't know. Like I've seen. Like I've seen some kids training Kaizen where I look at them. And I'm like, dude, I like, if I saw that guy in public, I would never assume that he would murder anyone. And I was like, I see how he's throwing punches and that part, that dude probably killed me yeah. right now. But I, I don't really want to test that. But any dude that goes to the gym and is just like, yeah, but if I just grab onto him, like, you think they're just going to let you grab him? Literally, no, literally, bro. I had this exact yeah. conversation with my yeah. friend Mateo the other day at the bar. He was talking about the trend twins and how they can like, jack up so much weight and like i would never be able to lift that and i was like it doesn't matter Bro, i saw a video of them the other day actually yeah so, so he was like obsessing over the trend twins like benching like 500 pounds or something i don't remember he was like <laughs> you'll never be able to do that and i was like it doesn't matter i could kill them he goes no you couldn't i go if i fought one of them one-on-one i could literally kill them and he's like, <laughs> dude what, what if he just grabs you he's like you think you think i'm just gonna let him grab me you think i'm just gonna be like yo start with your hands around my neck like I don't, I don't understand that, and it's like the same. And thing. especially with how big they are, like their their muscles are gonna fatigue so quick they within can't that first grab. Up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this. 
Oh my god. It's yeah. like the Bradley yeah. Martin Mighty Mouse thing. It's the same. He's like, well, once I get my hands on him, this dude literally trains so people can't get their hands on him. You think he's just gonna let yeah. you grab him? Yeah. Even if you did grab him, probably like Aikido your thumb like back yeah. into your body. Yeah. You just be like, oh, there goes my hand. Like huh. I can touch anything again. I would I would pay a hundred dollar pay-per-view to watch Bradley Martin fight Mighty Mouse. You know what I'd pay a hundred dollars for? I want to I want to see Stevie fight like a Lynx or a Bobcat. Which raises me into my next question, Stevie. What is the biggest yeah. animal I think you could hand handle in a one on one fight? The biggest animal I think I could handle in a one on one fight. Biggest animal. Bare hands, and you get a six week camp. By the way, this is a fully wild animal, non domesticated. Um, so they literally just pulled it out of the wild the same day it's going to fight you. But the animal doesn't know it's six weeks in advance, right? It's just it's yes. No, no, no. The animal is just being an animal for six weeks. For oh, I like this. Yeah, you. However, yeah. you. However, it will send you. You get as much tape as you want. You could literally watch a Discovery Channel twenty four seven live stream of this animal if you so choose. You can know when it find out all of its eating habits, all of its patterns. Yeah, you can find out. It's bare, and it's barehanded, no weapons. No weapons. Damn. No weapons. All you, right, probably a. Um, if you want to put on four ounce gloves, but I'd recommend uh, just going barehanded. Like, just I wouldn't put on anything if I were you. Bet, 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 bet. Probably a big brown grizzly bear. Shut the fuck <laughs> up, Stevie. Get out of here. Be real. Definitely fuck that bitch up. <laughs> Be real, but revenant style. <laughs> no, for real, man. No, for real. I'm being, I'm being so for real. Uh, the kid that the kid that fights at 125 pounds. <laughs> Yep, yep. I think it's, it's I think getting taken down, bro. One million percent. I'd maul a coyote. I'd maul a coyote. It would now. Listen, that's the biggest. No, no, no. Okay, I'm okay, just, okay. I, Re- okay, skating. realistic. I'd maul a coyote. Now it would fuck me up. Like it would, it would bite me alive. It would, it, it would be a war. But like I'm gonna have its corpse in my hand walking back to the village and be like, realistically, realistically, realistically. Black Panther. <laughs> because realistically, names names this is the second hardest one to fight. TV, wait, 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 wait. Have you actually been to a zoo? Like, do you know? What you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like okay, I've been okay, to a okay. zoo and I've seen a panther. Like, I, I would never want to see a panther in my Steve, life. You better hit a fucking listen. I'm up for the, and get I'm behind that bitch right bro. away. I'm up for the challenge, bro. If I'm we're up. both in there, we're both gonna die, dude. That's that's it. Uh, okay, all right. I like all right. I I like where that's going. So you're accepting you won't win, but that motherfucker's not surviving. Yeah, dude, yeah. panda's gonna maul you, Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna throw one punch and it's gonna have its mouth around your throat. Oh my god, dude! You know panthers' reaction times—they can literally get face to face with a snake because a snake can't bite faster than they can react. Okay, maybe I should rethink. Yeah, dude, um, come on. <laughs> No, See, like, you're not beating any big cats. There's no way. They're just okay. 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 No cats. No cats. So, damn. I actually. <sighs> you said you said it has to be big. Well, I mean, no, it could be any- the biggest one you think you could take and survive. Now, listen. It doesn't mean that you like go out there and you fucking Conor McGregor Aldo it. Like you could take a, a lot of damage. Fox. It's just as long as you fox. survive. An Arctic fox? How big is that? I feel like I'm not that aggressive, right? I don't think foxes are that aggressive. I think I think you could do better than a fox too, honestly. Uh, I feel like my pick is going to be an emu. 
How big is that? What's an what's an emu? Um, I don't know, a really fucking big bird. They're six feet tall, dude. Yeah, that shit don't got hands though, and it don't fly, and it's got a long neck. I feel like I could guillotine the shit out of an emu. Yeah, I'd fuck that thing up. Damn. Is it no, there? That thing wasn't was, there a that war thing was between Australians okay. and emus? Okay, so here's what happened. I, I can explain the emu war really yeah, quick. Yeah, I want Zach to throw some history down right now. Um, Pretty much, emus ran Australia. Like, there was literally so many of them that Australia was like, okay, we need to actually, like, regulate these bastards because they're eating all of our crops, so we need to get rid of them. So the Australian government thought of the bright idea to just start killing them. Um, the only problem was they literally ran out of ammunition, so they literally could not fight the emus anymore. So they technically lost a war to emus. So then the emus were like, yeah, you're fucked. Now we're just going to breed at 10 times the rate because now all of our alphas can just fuck all day. Is and there we have still a shit ton of emus in Australia? Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I would assume it's a lot more regulated. I would think one AA-10 warthog would decimate them, but I mean... <laughs> I think the battle of the emus. To, let me let me look up the war of emus. All right, there's been Wait, how long emus. ago was this? This is, I mean, uh, the, the great no, emu war was in 1932. <laughs> yeah, it's a large flightless bird. So there's they a, uh, there's between 625,000 and 725,000 emus in Australia. What the hell? I'm trying to see the population of Australia. Oh, there's way more people in Australia. What's the? I have been seeing one on on Twitter the other day. That's like they they they're compared they they compared like the population of of an animal somewhere compared to like another of human somewhere, and they could they'd be like four to one. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, it's kangaroos. It's they kangaroos have, and people in Australia. Um, I don't think it's Australia. I think it's some like small like Asian country where they don't allow guns. So they're there like they forty two million kangaroos in Australia. Yeah, so if you took every kangaroo, dude, I'm pretty sure if you took every kangaroo and just dropped them in North Korea, like they physically wouldn't be able to, like they would just get overpowered. Maybe that, maybe that's the new strap. You just drop a fuck ton of animals. Have you guys ever seen a kangaroo fight? Yeah, they're, dude, they're vicious. Those are those are pretty entertaining. Do you know what they do? They kill like people too. You know that around you. Yeah, I've never seen them kill somebody. They, but I've they, heard stories they kill in them. Australia. They'll sit in the they water. Lakes. They'll sit in the water. like at like neck, like at their neck. And like dogs and animals would run into like run. Yeah, into, like, they've drowned. They've drowned dogs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. By the way, you but man, me- kangaroos are vicious, bro. They're vicious, dude. Yeah, they're like you seen that video with the guy punching the kangaroo? I was just about kangaroo. to pull it up my phone. <laughs> no, but that kangaroo didn't do anything back. But like usually they fucking they will fuck you up. Like they, like you cannot punch one and like be safe. You'll get fucked up. You think you could tank a kick from a kangaroo straight to the solar um, plexus? Nah, yeah, you would die. You nah, you get you're getting flown back, bro. At least but six you, feet. But you'd fight a grizzly bear. But you'd fight. Yeah. A grizzly bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, bears are bears are bears, though. You know, they're cuddly. Yeah. Wait. I feel like it's like oh, there we go. There we go. Yeah, this video. Yeah, bro. Who freaking plays? By the way, I love the slow jog up. Like it's, it's just like the hey man, unhand my dog. It squares up on him too, though. Yeah, he was lucky though because this <laughs> this kangaroo didn't do anything back. Yeah. It was probably it was probably like it was probably a baby one, like a like a young one. Dude, there's also you know the oldest ones are like super tall too. They're like seven feet. It's like uh, uh horses too. Their kick of a horse could like just maul you. 
Like I've seen videos of like, oh, I mean, this is fucked up. I've seen videos of like people trying, like, like they're like vets and stuff trying to work on horses, and the horse just kicks them to death, like one kick dead. No, and kangaroos, they like they have rapid, rapid strikes. Like it's not just like one and done. It's like wrong, 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 wrong. Like this is man, yeah. crazy. I've seen a boxing fight with kangaroo. Like That's I've it. looked that up. Boxing fight with kangaroos. They put two kangaroos board, in the man. ring. <laughs> they put two kangaroos in the ring and they just like they're just kicking each other that's great. which one could you know you know this is yeah. like kind of the same same but different when i was in when uh i was in college freshman year and we lived in the dorms and we were like bored all the time we used to get drunk and watch insect bug fights and bet on them we used to bet on insect <laughs> fights bro i'm telling you right now it is the most lit shit ever when you watch that's like funny. a when you watch like a freaking uh like a like a like a queen hornet versus a scorpion or like a freaking tarantula versus <laughs> beetle bro that shit is lit dude i'm telling you <laughs> look how hype he got <laughs> t- bro, look it up look up insect bug fight it's all japanese though you're not gonna understand a fucking insect word insect bug fight oh yeah. it might be even more it might even better in japanese like fucking stabbing the tarantula and tarantula's like trying to get it there's one, like there's one with like a praying mantis and a, uh, and, and like a like a wasp or something. The praying mantis catches it and it starts eating its head while it's alive. That actually seems very. Yeah, that I'm actually interested in that because praying mantises <laughs> are, they're vicious, man. Like Boxes I've seen videos sponsored by insect bug fights. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, apparently, from what I'm reading, because I've been just doing research on the emu war. Apparently, they tried to herd and surround them, and then a general said that the emus took on some guerrilla warfare tactics, and, like, every time they tried to, like, herd them up, they would disperse into groups. So then they kept wasting ammunition trying to, like, kill them. So they were only yeah, able to kill, tactics. like... Yeah, so apparently, <laughs> they only were able to kill, like, 100 a week, and after they expelled, like, 10,000 rounds of ammunition, they were like, ah, oh, we give up. They're like, we're fine. But they were... So they were dangerous, like they <laughs> no. So or they were just... shit. So what happened uh, was after World War One, all the discharged troops were like rewarded like land, like property on Australia to like grow crops and like kind of like fend for themselves. But what happened was is they gave the land, and then the like the veterans came back and were like, "Dude, all these emus are just eating our crops. Like we can't, we can't even sustain food." And they're like, "All right, we'll just kill them all." So then they went to go ambush them. Like they put all these crops in a field. So like the emus came to eat and then they surrounded them. And then the emus, rather than like doing like the warthog shit where they'd all just like sprint in one direction, they would like <laughs> zigzag and like run off in like groups and like small groups. And then all, the, them out. Yeah, all the guys, all the guys are like firing and missing. And they're like, shit. They're like, we, they're like, originally they came out with a claim that we're like, yeah, we killed thousands of them. And then the Australian people were like, that's a bunch of cap. We didn't kill shit. Like release the real numbers. And they're like, all right, we only killed like 40. Like we're sorry. It's crazy. Like, These we, emus yeah. were trained. Yeah. <laughs> one, one, one Tim Kennedy emu would fuck me up, but if you gave me one random emu in the wild, I'm definitely handling that shit in hand to hand combat. Um, I would pay to see that. You guys ever I would hear, actually pay to see that? You ever hear about the story of, of World War One where the crocodiles ate all the Japanese soldiers? I thought it was the. No. I thought they ate all the U.S. soldiers. No, they were, they were Japanese. Oh, was that? Oh, yeah, because they forced them back. On yeah, the it was. It was in India, I believe. And the Japanese had – it was somewhere in Asia. I think it was India. Or, or, I think it was India. And they had um, – I think you're called? talking about like Myanmar where it's – Yeah, Myanmar. Yeah, it was in Myanmar. Yeah. And um, what's it called? The Japanese were holding down that territory. 
the British came in and and uh, landed in the middle. So the Japanese fled to the waters. Well, the problem was is the Japanese were there so long, they ate all the animals and everything that the crocodiles used to survive because like the Japanese needed to eat food. So what happens is since the crocodiles couldn't eat anymore, they went into a mini hibernation. So they like basically they shut their bodies down so they don't have to use as much energy so they can like live off less food. So when the Japanese soldiers fled to the waters to run from the British, they just ran into hundreds of thousands of starving crocodiles and they wiped out all of the Japanese army that was there. They cleared house, ate them all. Did you imagine something similar happen in World War II with wolves? Maybe with German, German, German U.S. soldiers didn't they didn't they agree to like a ceasefire because they needed to get rid of the wolves? I feel like I, I think I think I heard something about that. Yeah, maybe maybe. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yep. During World War One, German and Russian oh, World War One declared a temporary ceasefire and banded together to hunt wolves. Yeah. Because the wolves, the wolves were, were nasty, buddy. Yeah, and that's wolves are so wolf, smart. That's too, an animal man. none of us could take is a fucking wolf. Yeah, they're smart, bro. They're super smart. The crocodiles are super smart, dude. Crocodiles, yeah, dude. Crocodiles, alligators, predators in general. Are smart. Nah, alligators are dumb as shit. They're just big and scary. Cro- a crocodile is they are g- they are so smart. They are so smart. They will literally like there's stories of tribes where crocodiles will just sit in one spot under the water. You can't see them because the water's so muddy. And they will sit there and and learn what time you go to get water at the river or wherever they're at every single oh, day for months. And then they attack you and get you. And my buddies went um, – and the kid I was talking about, Mateo, earlier, one of me and uh, Zach's best friends, him and his uh, our other friend Cam, after they graduated college, they backpacked Australia for a month. And Australia has all the saltwater crocodiles, which is like – my absolute bi- – I'll take on anything else before a saltwater crocodile. That's my absolute biggest fear. There's like 16 feet long and like an alligator is really only going to attack you if you get like too uncomfortably close to its child or it's hungry. A crocodile will kill you because it wants to be the apex predator in its area. So just be- – if you're a human That's and crazy. you're a threat, it will kill you just to kill you. And what they do is they don't eat you right away because it's too hard to – you're too hard to digest. They kill you. And then they hide your body in a den underwater and let it deteriorate and break down for weeks. And then they eat you. That's insane. Insane, dude. Crocodiles are my biggest fear. And they're being seen in Florida now, which is terrifying. How can you tell the difference? Like, what's the difference? It's snout. It's snout, but also um, a crocodile, both rows of teeth will show. Like, its bottom teeth will protrude and its top. Alligators, only the top row protrude. So they have like a uh, also you can tell like alligators are darker and they're all kind of fat like they're like wide bodies crocodiles are more slim and they can swim fast as shit yeah uh one cannot one will also only see you in a while um (laughs) (laughs) and one will see you later that's clever Uh, just just ask it just ask ask the uh the dinosaur looking animal uh, (laughs) will see you and if one says in a while then you'll know it's an alligator but the croc will say, uh, the croc will say, see you later. Buddy. Yeah, I want to pull up a video to show you a crocodile swimming TV, but I'm too scared to watch it. I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't even want pull it up. Pull it up, dude. They are they are my biggest fear, bro. Oh my gosh, crocodiles. Oh, here. by by the way, I Yo, think can I ask a question real quick? When yeah. you ask Ryan 
the question of what was the question? The question of um who he drew inspiration was to uh, who who he drew inspiration from was it Conor McGregor? No, remember we did Ryan's pod. No, yeah. oh, no. So we asked him. We asked him uh, what got him into fighting, and this man told us that. No, he was... don't do, don't do, don't do him dirty on the pod. Wait, the pod's oh. over. No, don't no, do no. dirty on the pod. No, no. We have to say it because it's. Is awesome. it really dirty? Like, is it bad? No, it's, it's not bad. bad. It's just funny. It's it's just like it caught me so off guard. Like I thought he was gonna say like you know I always wanted to be able to like defend my like sisters or my family. Like I just want to be a warrior. Now this man, this man told us in one hundred percent straight face. He was like, uh, "Kids kept calling me fat on Xbox, and I just it pissed me off." And I was like, "Yeah, like that's insane." I was like, "I love it." I was like, "Honestly, the fact that that got you into the gym, like that, that's honestly impressive." Like I would have never thought. Yeah. You know, I'm not surprised because he showed me a video of him when he was very young, hit in the back. All right, this and, is yeah. a crocodile. Is a crocodile swimming next to a boat? And it doesn't say where. Hold on, wait. We got the we got the bright. Oh my god. Oh, I can't really see it. I'm trying to remember something. This is better. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Okay. Shit. Bro, what? It's swimming. Like, yeah, you're dead. You're dead in the water, bro. And you talk about, and you, no, you were talking about jaguars, right? No, panthers. Yeah, yeah. Get the fuck Black out. panther. Yeah. Black panther. Oh, better question. What do you think you'd have a better chance of surviving against in an octagon for five minutes? A croc, a bear, a gorilla, a hippo. Stevie, here's a video of a jaguar hunting a crocodile. I said Black Panther. That's some savage shit, by the way. To go on, it it went it went on an away game. That's pretty dope. That's what actually pretty dope. <laughs> jaguar went to an away game. It was like I'm gonna fuck you up in your own in your own turf. Well, you know the 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 what's, what's the stigma is that the lion's the king of the jungle, but in reality, the tiger is the king of the jungle. Lions are pack hunters, and the female lion is the one that hunts. The male stays back and watches the kids. Yeah, tiger, that's true. Yeah, I sorry. The second a tiger is old enough to do its own thing, its mom leaves it, and it lives the rest of its life by itself. So it single handedly hunts shit. That is a lot scarier. That is a yeah. lot fucking scarier. Yeah, but I believe in the Jungle Book. Didn't the Black Panther fight off the tiger to protect Mowgli? Damn, I can't remember, but I do know it's the bare necessities. <laughs> yeah well what was the, what was the question uh what, what question. animal yeah what do you think you could survive the longest against in an octagon so you have the bear the you have the grizzly bear the silverback gorilla a saltwater saltwater crocodile a hippopotamus or um a python in the octagon Dude. in the octagon. wait give them again. five minutes say them again say them again Probably a python. Yeah, I was just say that's a terrible one. Because a python wouldn't really come at me in the octagon, and I could just stay in one corner for five minutes. Okay, fine. We got to stall the fight. Fine. Take out the python. Take out the python, and all of these are pre-agitated, like they were either poked or stabbed with something to make them very aggressive. Can you say them again? Uh, hippo, 
Silverback Gorilla, Grizzly Bear. Um, fuck, what were the other ones? Because I Black saw this. Panther. Yeah, Black Panther. And then we'll just do those four. What do you What do you think you have the best? best and they shape? were all agitated, bro. I'm dead with all of them. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so which one thing you would win? It's say, what's your highest survival rate percentage? Yeah. Or which My or which survive, Which do you survive the longest against? Yeah. What 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 are you like outpacing the longest? It's a gorilla, Jeez, a hippo, what were they, a grizzly, and a panther. And a hippo, gorilla, panther, grizzly. Or was probably it? hippo. Probably hippo. I would There's, say hippo. I think the crocodile. I think I think out of water. Um, if I can just try to get it behind it, that's gonna be my best. But if they but if they're agitated though. Actually, no, because there's been some crocodile wrestling. There's been alligator wrestling, brother. Or yeah. alligator alligator wrestling. Oh, a croc. There's a reason. There's a reason. He, wait, was he called the crocodile hunter? Or was yeah, he... he was called the crocodile hunter. Yeah, damn. Because game hunter wasn't tough. Yeah, yeah. Shout out. <sighs> Shout out Steve Irwin, man. Yeah. Fuck, dude. What a legend, man. R.I.P., man. Yeah. The- Does he have a son that does the same thing? It, is awful, it ain't the same, bro. They're all in it for the money. He was in it for the fucking love. Yeah, yeah. You could tell the passion's different. I remember watching. Uh, I saw. I saw a tweet about it the other day that was like, um, you know, the government killed Steve Irwin because he was speaking up against them, and he was speaking up against the government. Like he's all about like you know for the land, and like he got mad the land was turning it down. And somebody was like, "You think they hired a stingray to kill him? Like, out of every way to get rid of him, you think they fucking paid off a stingray?" Like that, that there's just no correlation there. I mean, I gotta admit, they did a great slander campaign. Getting taken down by a stingray has got to be top five worst animals to die from. Is there the film, the the video of that ever release? No. Damn, he got shot. That's sus. Yeah, that's sus. If the video he got shot. Yeah, that's he got shot, and they they said he got stung. So which which one is the John Wilkes Booth of stingrays? Is that we got to find out? That. Are you sure if the video if the video didn't come out now I'm a little sus. Just look up. It was actually up. just a six foot man in a stingray costume, and he just had a knife, and <laughs> he was just wearing a big old stingray outfit, and he just like stabs you. But a lot of people did say it was sus for him to die from the stingray. There's no videos of it. There's only last moments before. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I R.I.P. Feel- R.I.P. For, for I, I don't know. I'm kind of starting to think it's a little sus. Look, all I'm saying is for a man to be that He's about wide, to go down a rabbit hole. Yeah, <laughs> my night's about to get weird. Yeah, you're telling me that man made the one mistake of go getting stabbed in the heart by a stingray. Like, I feel like yeah. if he made one mistake, it would have been against a crocodile. You know? Yeah, like, or a very dangerous predator. Yeah, but a stingray. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't yeah. make sense. What exactly was he saying against the government? Who knows, brother? Who knows? This is what I'm reading on, on a Reddit rabbit hole. Oh, God. According to Terry, Steve's wife, there was a video released on YouTube that achieved 100 million views of Steve's death. However, according to Terry, that video was a complete fabrication exploiting people's sadness. It wasn't actually the right video. Damn. And she also had an actual copy of the video shot of his death, but burned it and never watched it. That's sus. Nope. I think or, if, uh, I think I wa- if or, I watched the video of my loved one dying, I think I'd burn it. Yeah. I yeah. think I'd not gonna yeah. lie. 
not gonna lie. Yeah. This is no, 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 I this agree, is, Zach. This is why I think it's sus because they were filming for a documentary or a movie. There's no way they don't have that film. No, they definitely didn't. She had it, and then they were like, "You were going to be the sole owner of this," and she was like, "Yeah, I probably." Yeah, my entire. I can see that happening. I don't know, dude. I'm, I'm. The more we talk about it, the more I'm getting Julian Santini conspiracy vibes. Okay, I feel like if you went on the black market, you could definitely find a copy of that shit. Like, I feel like if you had your connections, you could definitely like watch some like compilation of like every celebrity's death. If you or wanted. she definitely just didn't want to get it out there and burn the only copy. Dude, you're telling me, all right, and I'm not saying this in a fucked up way. I'm saying people are fucked up. You don't think they would try to release that and make money? I don't know, guys. I don't that's know. the that, like that's a loved one, a loved one. Dying. No, no, no. I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about the camera crew and the and the and the people. Look, I'm just saying, whatever company. Maybe he had respected possible, people with him. Yeah, you got to remember, you as a company, you know, if you're releasing that video, that's the death of your company. You are going yeah, to get yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Public backlash, like sure. that's the end. Yeah. The yeah. only where that the only place that may slide is Live Leak because they started, actually yeah. He started um Stevie back to your question about what he said about the government. He started when once we started this uh wave of tearing down wildlife to start building co- uh, apartment complexes and stuff. That's when he started. He started becoming like an advocate, and he started like mm. doing things in that aspect because he's all about like the wild and stuff. Yeah, I don't see him dying over that though. I don't know. Same I see lot. him getting silenced maybe. Yeah, this is a good conversation we can but... have it another time by ourselves in person where there's no cameras or other people because I want to live. But <laughs> we can definitely have that conversation at another time. Since yeah. we're on this term, though, are there any conspiracies that you do very believe in? Oof. Conspiracies that I do believe in. There's not I... much, honestly. I mean... I have conspiracies that I'm strongly against. Like I think they're so stupid it makes no sense. Okay, go go let's let's hear some. Uh number one, uh that the moon landing was fake. So um, fake. It's so fake. It's bro. so fake. Okay, before so we get into that, my number two, anyone that believes we are actually on a flat earth is out of their fucking Yeah, mind. that's that's insane. That's it's insane. pretty flat. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. No, my yeah, favorite one is the argument with Julian on that. Yeah, no, the my favorite one is the uh the flat earther that tried to disprove that the earth was flat the videos. and then accidentally proved that it wasn't flat and he was like he was like oh yeah I, I seen that yeah but not nah, the that's there's that's no way there's thing. no way we faked the moon landing. There's no Dude, way. Exactly. Honestly, honestly, the so more weird. I looked into it when it, it was like first like coming out as a conspiracy, like when it was big, I think I think I was kind of like persuaded by the the hype around it being fake but i don't know it could what they're saying is first of all we've never been back to the moon since then but we were able to do it in 1960 okay that's that's very odd also they're saying that we had a recording from the moon that shot to like what another country that then shot to texas dude get get the fuck out of here get the fuck out of here but we know honestly to beat, we wanted to beat russia it, that was, it was a space so, race, yeah. Yeah, and it was so far ahead of our technology. Like, dude, we did not go to the moon. And we've never done it since. It just never happened again. We just can't do it now. Oh, it's too hard now. But in 1960, we could do it. Yeah. We have iPhones now, dude. We can definitely. Yeah, and apparently in science, the moon is way too hot to even. To even uh, yeah, Zach, get fucked. Get fucked, Zach. First of all, 
the International Space Station, you can go outside and just look at it if you want at any given night. I, well, I didn't say that didn't exist. I said the moon landing was fake. Okay. Yeah, well, landing was, on the moon. It was altercated. It was altercated. Listen, 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 because it was a space race, right? It was, it was, it was who can get to Russia. space first. And we were all like, well, we got to the moon. Boom. And we fabricated that, that video on the moon. I don't know. I feel like I feel like Russia would have been so quick to call our bullshit that I'm like, oh yeah, bring us back a moon. Dude, rock. Russia did the same shit right after us. Yeah, they were like, but you don't think sure, okay. we went to the moon too? Like, yeah, and everyone's like, oh, well, we went to the moon. Like, it's his fucking started that. Nah, see, if Russia was smart, what they should have done then is like, oh, you went to the moon? Show me a moon rock. You can't Show bring me. back a moon rock. That's not allowed. That's against the moonology. Why? It's too why hot, bro. It's too hot. If we brought back a moon rock, every fucking girl like Alexa in, in the astro- astrology would start a civil war. It would start a civil war in America. A bunch Dude. of white girls that drink Starbucks all day. Um, um, I, I want, I want you, I want you to be on record to acknowledge this. Remember, this was during the 1960s. If any girl would have spoken up in that time, they probably would have been killed. <laughs> Google, show me the 19th <laughs> Amendment. <laughs> Let me let me find that out. Let me let me find that out. Actually, let me find that out. When did? But honestly, it is a little sketchy. I'm not saying it's completely fake, but I saw a Candace raises, Owens, raises I saw Candace night, Owens talk about it, and it completely changed my perspective. Yeah, yeah. It 40, raises the eyebrow. Forty years, forty years prior to the moon landing, we allowed women the right to vote. Forty. You know, uh, all right. So don't I? I don't want to be. I'm going to say this off the record because I don't know how uh, factually accurate it is. It's getting posted, so uh, consider what you take I, as I, I believe, I believe that when we first tried to get women their, the right to vote, they didn't want it. Because it gave them more responsibility and something with either taxation or something like that. And they tried to not do it because they wanted to be, they wanted to be like, they wanted us to do everything for them. I'm not saying this in a sexist way. I'm not. I'm not saying my opinion. I'm saying that's what I. I actually historically believe, but I'm yeah. not completely sure on it. Can we? Can we phone a Danny Fisher? Can we phone in a Danny Fisher? If I get my dad in here, bro, this pod's gonna go for three hours. We can't. We can't get <laughs> my dad in for history. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. I don't know the historical accuracy of that, but uh, what I will say is, um, that yeah, I think you're making that up, Grayson. <laughs> I think you're making that. Up. <laughs> No, I, I'm pretty guys. I, just said, I don't it. know how accurate it is. I You're thought, a woman hater, bro. Uh, <laughs> all right. Actually, I'm probably the farthest thing from it because my dream is to be a trophy husband, to marry a woman that has a great job, and then just take care of the children. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you want the woman to do the work for you? Huh? Yeah. It, would no, you be mad if you married a really rich woman <laughs> and you got to train at Kaizen and do whatever you wanted all day? No, I actually wouldn't. Actually. No, yeah, yeah, that's a life right there. Exactly. Yeah, I will admit though. I will admit though. I I think I would understand the perspective if like I came back from Kaizen and then like your wife walked home and she's like, "Why the fuck isn't dinner cooked?" And she just like socked the shit out of you. She just beats the fuck out of you. Dinner would be cooked. <laughs> dinner would be cooked, buddy. All right, I found the video. I'm gonna share it to you guys. Dinner would be cooked. Dinner would be cooked. In- Indeed. Holy shit. I just found the video, so I'm sending it to you guys. Well, I'm stupid as shit. 
Stevie, it's been uh, what's up? Probably gonna be wrapping it up soon. Um, Zach, you have anything? Uh, any big news or anything at all that we should uh, discuss before we get going? Big news. Um, uh, is there a UFC card this upcoming Saturday? Yeah, Strickland Duplessis. Duplessis. Oh yeah, we could dive into that and talk about it. I mean, not like in depth. We could just get a little. Actually, yeah. by the way, I had this, this huge ass argument. So bad, dude. Dry Drykus is gonna die on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, I I think Sean's gonna try to physically remove the dude's spine, like in the movie The Predator. Yo, or sleeper just... fight Charles Jordan versus Sean Woodson. That's a fucking banger. Arnold Allen versus Mazvar Ivalov. That's a banger. Wait, that's this weekend? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. I'm actually excited for the, for Arnold Allen. Dude, fight. I don't know what it is, but I have this super weird feeling, Dry, because it's going to start Sean. No, no. See, you're nah, putting man, one nah. Sean. I don't like Dry, because I don't fuck with you nah. out there. Don't make it a possibility. It, I, don't, I don't fuck with Dry, at all, but I just feel like He's one of those guys that you hate so much. Actually, I don't know, though. I had that same feeling about Colby, and uh, he got embarrassed. If Sean doesn't if Sean doesn't come out, like, too emotional, I think he's just going to get in his zone. I, I think he's really going to shut out, shut out Duplessis if he can contain that zone. But if he gets too emotional and gets off his game, could be a little – little hard i mean it's because it, it is a toss-up fight like they're both really really good you're that level dude any any given day somebody can beat somebody yeah so oh I, I think i think sean just has that extra edge just menta- mentality and the confidence he gained from beating beating izzy i feel like we could yeah. see a different sean like we could see a, a high level top tier sean this weekend i feel like all the photos i've seen from him in camp this is probably the biggest i've ever seen him dude him training with fucking johnny evelyn's huge because that's my opinion the best middleweight in the world yeah and he's putting in work i love sean dude i i just absolutely love sean but oh stevie the one question that came to mind that we typically ask our fighters dream location for a main event fight it's your main event it's your where whatever city whatever state whatever country you want to fight in what are you picking dream location Bonus points if you can think of a fighter that you'd want to take on for the belt. I could give you mine off rip. I, I've already said it probably a hundred times. Yeah, go ahead. My dream is to fight uh and headline at Amelie Arena and then walk out to Thunderstruck wearing a Steven Stamkos jersey. Oh, that's pretty good. That's my dream. That's pretty good. It for me, probably hmm. Dream, damn. I know it's not Fort Wayne, Indiana. I can probably yeah. <laughs> yeah we can start narrowing it down. <laughs> probably, probably backwards. my my family's homeland, Puerto Rico. Has there Puerto ever, Rico at the top? Uh, not ever- UFC, but there's there's been other fights in Puerto Rico. But that'd be that'd be cool. That'd be cool to go back to where the bloodline started. That'd be in sick. Puerto Rico. When was the last time you've been to Puerto Rico? The last time, probably. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, 
I would say probably like three or four years. Yeah, three or four years. I went to Puerto Rico a year ago, and it was so much fun, dude. I I'm not gonna lie though, dude. I have this this story to tell, and it, like it, it makes me like eat uneasy every time I talk about it. But like when I was in Puerto Rico, it was the closest thing I ever had to dying. We were uh, cause Puerto Rico's fucking straight mountain, bro. It's all fucking. You're driving like sometimes you're driving up. Oh shit! And yeah. we were like blacked out, drunk, and this guy was driving us back, and his car couldn't fucking go up the mountain anymore. It started like stalling out, and I was oh, hammered. And I was like, let's just fucking put it in park, get behind it, and push it up. Genius. Thank God. Dude, like, it's making my hands sweaty thinking about it. Because, like, if we did that, we all would have died. If we would have went and died. Um, And it's just so fucking scary to think about that. But they were like, no, 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 we're just going to fucking. He was able to turn it to this, like, on the side and figure it out. But, like, every time I think about it, like, literally, like, my hands right now are sweaty. It was like, I always think about that. And I'm like, I'm so lucky that, like, other people were like, that's the stupidest idea in the world. Cause in my mind, it was great. Yeah, but no, I don't. Not, yeah, it, car that car would have buried me. It would have crushed me. Who's going <laughs> to pick cars of the mountain? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. No, that's pretty insane. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to say my, uh, my parents, when they went to Hawaii, like when you drive up the volcano, it's literally like the width of one car. Yeah. And my dad would like fuck with my mom and like get her as close as possible to the edge. And she was like, I'm going to fucking kill you. She's like, if you don't get us like closer to the like mountainside, my dad was just laughing the entire time. Like he just did not care. And they give them. Yeah. I, I remember my first time in Puerto Rico when we were driving mountainside. Like it was, it's scary because like. Nice. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. <laughs>